This is Lucky Words. I'm Jeff Windsor. Home today at the studio in Provo, Utah, where the weather is beautiful, but because it's Sunday, I'm sticking around home. But because it's Sunday, we do have a Sunday poem. It's Robert Hayden's Those Winter Sundays. Sundays, too, my father got up early and put his clothes on in the blue-black cold. Then with cracked hands that ached from labor and the weekday weather, made banked fires blaze. No one ever thanked him. I'd wake and hear the cold splintering, breaking. When the rooms were warm, he'd call, and slowly I would rise and dress, fearing the chronic angers of that house, speaking indifferently to him who had driven out the cold and polished my good shoes as well. What did I know? What did I know? of love's austere and lonely offices. I can't remember when I first read this poem. I can't remember not having read it. It's been in every anthology I can ever recall. Uh, This text that I grabbed I got from the Poetry Foundation website. And it was weird to find out the poem is only from 1966. I was surprised that something that feels so eternal is only 50 years old. On that page, on the Poetry Foundation, there's a bunch of writing ideas and discussion questions and teaching tips. This is a teacher's poem. It's a classroom poem. I imagine it's because the main characters are a child and a father in a domestic setting, and that's something relatable for elementary school or even high school students. But it was only just now looking on the website, that I found out that Robert Hayden was black. I don't mean to minimize his race, but I kind of wish I hadn't known that. As a white person myself, I know when I read a poem as poetry by a black man with capital letters starting each word, it becomes an important element of the poem, again with the caps. I can't unread the poem as having a statement about race. And that's kind of unfortunate, because before that, I read the poem as a poem qua poem. It was just a piece of verse. I didn't know when it was written or who wrote it. Sure, there's some things I could infer. Surely it's a 20th century, and surely it's American. Who else had the concept of a weekday rather than a weekend? Who else polishes shoes for church on Sunday? I grew up in a home, and we went to church on Sundays. And though my memory of that time is sketchy, when I was young, I know that my father had to get up early and go to meetings while I stayed home with my mother. Midday, we had junior Sunday school, and later a meeting for the whole family. Sunday was church from end to end. But I grew up in San Diego, where the weather is always beautiful. My memories of that time are running outside the church building where the honeysuckle grew and with some other kids to grab handfuls of flowers so that we could lick the sweet nectar off the stamen. I remember running around. I remember playing tag. I remember sunshine. I have no childhood reference for blue-black cold or hearing the cold splintering, breaking. That's just as foreign to me as people who rode 
donkeys as a mode of transportation. And yet, the poem still resonates with me. That opening line, Sundays too, my father got up early. Man, that does such great work. And it's that second word, Sundays too, that makes the poem begin in media rest, where there must be some hidden lines that precede this one. They're hidden, but they're not actually necessary. We feel their presence, and they affect us, even in their absence. So, Sundays too, my father got up early. It introduces the character of the father, and we know that he gets up early every day, because that's what fathers do. They get up early, they go to work, and they labor to support the ungrateful children who live in his house because he loves them. Loves? He loves them? That's the crux of the poem. What is love? Specifically, what is a father's love? There are not many poems about fathers who love their children, and statistically none when compared with the magnitude of poetry dedicated to romantic love. When I read this to my students, they read it as children. They think of their fathers and the sacrifices that those men made for them. These kids, my students, they come from a very narrow slice of the socioeconomic spectrum. Their fathers generally do pretty well financially, and they're rarely people who we would call laborers. My students are very rarely first-generation college students. They grow up in white-collar homes and will go live in white-collar homes. They're not heirs or heiresses. They're not going to earn enough money that their children will be either. They're middle, upper middle class. But still, when they read the poem, they nod their heads and they see their fathers in it. And now I, well into my own middle age, with a house full of children of my own, I read it differently. I still have an echo of my own father, but mostly I wonder how my children read this poem. Do they see me in it? Do they see me fulfilling love's austere and lonely offices? Because I feel the discomfort of feeling that I should be doing that, but also I feel that I really don't. When I want something, I have the means generally that I buy it. I don't live a particularly austere life. Would I be happier if I did? More critically, would I be a better father with a little more loneliness and austerity? Let me read the poem again. And you might think about either your father or your children and see how it speaks to you. Sundays, too. My father got up early and put his clothes on in the blue-black cold, then with cracked hands that ached from labor in the weekday weather, made baked fires blaze. No one ever thanked him. I'd wake and hear the cold splintering, breaking. When the rooms were warm, he'd call, and slowly I would rise and dress, fearing the chronic angers of that house, speaking indifferently to him who had driven out the cold and polished my good shoes as well. What did I know? What did I know of love's austere and lonely offices?' 